you have a Bible, find the book of Matthew, and uh, we're going to be in chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13. Uh, like I said a moment ago, we're coming off a week of prayer and fasting, and for some of us, this was powerful. For others of us, this was discouraging, and I just wanted to address that for a moment because many of us, some of us in this place, we have this happen every single year where, where we come in and we, we're excited and motivated to, to try to do something that we've never done when it comes to a, this thing called fasting, and maybe we found ourselves failing at, at what we wanted to do, and we're disappointed, and you're looking back at this thing, and while some people are celebrating because they had a moment, you're like, I stink at this. Uh, just understand this, that, that, that the heart of this right here is really just about saying, God, we love you. That This is not uh, rules and guilt-based in any sort of a way, and some of our backgrounds come from guilt type of versions of what it means to be Christians. And we are easily put into that mindset of like, oh, I can't measure up, and I didn't do it again, and I, uh, you know, and, and I'm just telling you, any moments that we have set aside for God are important and valuable, and don't let the enemy come in and whack your mind up. And, and, and mess things up for you. And so uh, I, I, whatever your situation was, like I'm just proud to be a part of a church family who is attempting and moving forward and trying to do things for the kingdom of God. Uh, and so just hear that if that's something uh, in, in, in some sort of way like that. But there, there's just something beautiful that happens when we have seasons where we prioritize God. And, and some people say, like, that's how we need to always live. We need to always be doing that. And some of that is true, but there just, there's just no question that scripturally there are specific moments, there are specific seasons where things are set apart in a different way. And we just see that over and over and over again, okay? Last week we started a message series, basically a multi-week study is what that means, and we've just called it Rooted, Rooted, and we've used the illustration of a tree. We know that the strength of a tree uh, above ground has everything to do with what's going on below ground, right? You get that? Nod your head with me if you understand that the roots of a tree have something to do with the health on the outside, okay, uh, up on the top, okay? If you cannot have a strong, healthy tree above ground if the root system is rotten and shallow and weak, it is not possible. And in order for a tree to survive the elements and to survive the wind and storms and the drought and all of that, there must be some sort of depth in that. And unfortunately, and this is really a recap of last week, unfortunately, so many Christians in our part of the world are just living these shallow, surface-level versions of what it means to be a Christian where there's just really no depth, and maybe God is a part of our lives when we need Him, or God is a part of our lives on Sunday mornings when we come to church, but there's very little depth when it comes to the things of God in our lives, and we do okay as long as everything in our life is going okay. But I'm telling you, when we're living our lives in this way, we are just one storm away from things coming crashing down. 
And we as pastors around here have seen this again and again. And there are seats in this church that are no longer filled with people who used to be here, who used to be uh, like excited about God, but they never really had any sort of depth that come and they're no longer here and they're no longer in any church. Why is that? Because spiritually they never really let things go deeper for them. We cannot afford to be shallow. We can't afford to be surface level followers of Christ. We must grow deeper in our faith and understand this. As we grow deeper individually, the result is that we are strengthened corporately. And when the body of Christ is built up and is stronger and we are able to live more, live better, do more, serve better, all of those types of things. And we take this word rooted from a passage of scripture, the book of Colossians. It says, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Spiritual strength comes as our roots go down into Christ, as more of our lives go down into him and more of our life is built on him. And last week, if you were here, we did a little illustration where we used a sponge. I don't know if you remember that, okay, but we had this sponge and the sponge represented our lives. And we said, what does it look like for us to go deeper. Because some people say we just got to know more about the Bible. Others would say we have to be more Holy Spirit in the way that we do things. Okay, But the reality is going deeper in the things of God is simply when God begins to have more and more of us in our lives. In a way, we used the sponge and we had the water and the water represented the things of God and, and how we just kind of go some ways in, but as we go farther and farther into the things of God, now we things are deeper for us because more of our lives are about him and for him and, and all of that type of stuff, okay? And maybe that's confusing to you, okay? But that helps me to think about it that way. And as our roots go down in him, we begin to know more, understand more. We begin to experience and see the Holy Spirit work in new ways and different things. And so all of those things come around in that way, but it's about less of me and God being more in my life is what it looks like to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Today we continue the conversation. We're going to look at one of the parables uh, of Jesus where he talks about plants and roots and what we're going to see is Jesus is going to say a lot of the same types of things that we said last week uh, and we're just going to allow the words of Jesus, the word of God to kind of speak to us and help us and challenge us and change us uh, and then we're going to uh, do some things as well. Uh, as we get out of that. So this is Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse number one. Stand with me all over this place. You look like you're a little bit asleep, okay? If you're in your pajamas right now at home, like stand up with me and get out of your bed for a moment, uh, whatever you're doing. Put your eggs to the side and uh, let's just prepare our hearts and our minds in a way that says, God, I'm open and I'm hungry and I need you today. All right, so Matthew chapter 13, verse number one, here's what it says. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, 
and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's the words of Jesus, a story from Jesus. And that's just the beginning of the story. Let's pray. God, we stand today in wonder and awe of who you are and what you have done We are amazed by you and your grace. And God, even though things may be chaotic in our house and chaotic in our body, and God, this may have been the most chaotic morning of our week. And Lord, we just come today letting go of all of that stuff, putting it all down, and in a way just inviting you into this moment. Right here, right now, we pray for that. Help me, God. Help me to... Speak your words, God. Don't let this be about me. Sincerely, God, and we say all this in your beautiful name. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. A, 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 practice, that I, a practice that I actually do in my own life, I know I've, I'm going right into it here. You're like, I wasn't even done high-fiving yet. Okay. Uh, Sue kind of started, so she did something that, that I do often, Pastor Sue, when she did our prayer. And, and that is that she, she did this thing with our fists like this. Uh, I, was at a, I was at a conference and a, like a doctor of Bible teaching person was talking about some Bible history stuff and some history of the Christian church. And there was a group that came over to America uh, a couple hundred years ago called the Puritans. And they really had started out uh, a very, very, like just wanting the purest God-focused religion. And they got off a little bit later and they made some mess of things. But they have this thing that they did. Every time they would gather together, they would, they would take their hands like this and they would, clench, they would all clench their fists like this in this posture. Just, and, and this right here was, it was representing all of the things that they were holding on to. All the preconceived ideas about the Bible. Um, all of the stuff that they were carrying that they shouldn't be carrying. And they would all stand there together and they would pray together. And then in, in, in this symbolic way, they would open their hands and turn them like this. And just very symbolically saying, I'm letting go of all that right now and opening my heart for you to come and to speak into me. And so, Sue, what you did kind of reminded me of that uh, from something that they used to do hundreds of years ago. It's something I kind of practice at different moments of saying, just, God, help me to let go of some of that junk. Uh, but the message today comes in, a, we're going to have this in a couple different parts. And it's typically not the way that I speak. And it's kind of a weird thing for me, actually, the way this came out. Uh, We're going to look at something that Jesus said. We're going to look at this story, and we're going to to unpack it. We're going to let it kind of linger. We're going to ask ourselves some questions about it. And then it's like we're going to stop and then go this way for a second. And we're going to then just take a very practical approach on something that is needed if we want our roots to grow deeper. And they're kind of overlapping a little bit, but kind of not as well. And so you'll feel like this harsh Okay, part two. And, and so it's a little bit of a different type of thing. But there are a number of factors that go into whether a tree will have deep roots. A number of things. Uh, and uh, one of them, it, we can go all sorts of different directions, but one of the things that a tree needs is the proper nutrients. 
or whatever words you want to use in that thing. You can call it the tree's food or minerals or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the mineral content in the soil and how the roots are able to interact with the soil will determine whether the tree is able to get the right amount of what it needs to be healthy and strong. You know that, you understand that, even if you're not like a plant person, you get that there's stuff in the dirt. That's why we put food in our gardens in different ways, like in the form of the little pebbles or different things and the little white things. You ever done those? Okay, or whatever. You, you put food in your gardens and you, and you do different things to your lawn and you put different things because we understand that the stuff that is in the soil matters when it comes to plants. It matters when it comes to trees and different things like that. And the way in which we as followers of Christ get the, the proper nutrients into our spiritual lives, it's really through the Word of God. It's through the Bible. And so we're going to look at that in just a few minutes, but first we're going to set that up in a way by looking at what Jesus said. And so a moment ago, we read this story where Jesus uh, is on, he's on the beach, we're going to call it the beach, and uh, he's there, and all of a sudden this crowd comes, and they are everywhere, and the story says that Jesus gets into a little boat, and he sits down in this boat. They push off from the shore. And from the boat, Jesus begins to teach this crowd of people. And he teaches them by telling them stories. And the Bible calls it a parable. He tells them a story. And these stories are made up. It's not a real story. He makes up this stuff in order to teach them, uh, to teach this crowd of people, to prove a point. And in this particular parable, because he's going to go in a number of them in a row, and we're just focusing on the first one, uh, he, he says there's a farmer who went out to plant a bunch of seeds, and the seed ended up in four different places. You, you read this with me. Uh, there's a hard path, there's this rocky ground, there's a spot with a bunch of thorn bushes, and then what he just calls the good soil. And a bunch of seed goes into each one of those spots, and it's only the good soil that actually produces the roots and produces the crops, and the crops grow up, and it says 30, 60, 100 times the, the, you know, the production of that one little seed. And, and Jesus tells this story to a huge crowd of people, and that's all they get, is that right there. And, and the disciples come up to him a little bit later in that day, and they're like, Jesus, we don't understand what the stink that even meant. Like, what, do you, what is that? What, tell, explain this to us, Jesus. And then we get a few verses later, and this is, num this is verse number 18, where Jesus is now explaining this parable to his closest followers after the crowd has now gone. And so here's what it says. Did the words of Jesus, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom of God and does not understand it, he's taught now, he's going through the four different sections here, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground, now we're into number two, uh, refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns, he's in the third one now, refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it 
unfruitful, but the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So the seed in our illustration in Jesus' story here is actually the word of God. And four different places are basically four different situations and really four different hearts is what we could, we could look at it that way. And only one of the four hearts here laid out uh, that hears the word of God is in the right place and responds in the right way. And the result is a healthy, deep roots, healthy, fruitful crop, all of that type of stuff. The other three seeds, the other three hearts fail to thrive. And they wither and they die. Understand in the story that Jesus tells, like three-fourths of the hearts fail to grow roots. And so we could say the issue that we have in America, filled with all sorts of shallow versions of this idea of Christianity, is not a new thing. And it's not something that's just us. This has been something forever. And even in the times of Jesus, Jesus is teaching these people, and he's basically saying, a whole bunch of y'all who are listening to this right now, your heart represents the soil and the seed is the word of God. And as I speak it, a whole bunch of you are going to get excited about it, but it's never really going to take root. But for the small piece of this puzzle that is going to the, the small number of you, and Jesus actually says, you know, there, there, there's a wide road and a narrow road that leads to life. Most people end up here and only a few will find this right here. For those, that small group, it is going to produce something so spectacular. It's going to produce an incredible harvest and fruit and all of that type of stuff. But most of y'all, it's not going to work. And Jesus just says that in that way. Now, let, let's flesh this out a little bit, and we're going to focus specifically on the middle two of the four that Jesus tells, because the middle two represent people who have responded to the message of Jesus, but their roots never really go down. And so what are the things that contribute to the seed not taking root in a person's life, in a person's heart? Well, we have trouble and persecution in the second seed, and we have the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth in the third seed. Now, here's what's interesting. As I was like mulling this over this week and and just looking at it, uh, what's interesting to me is they are on opposite sides of each other in a way. And both sides, the scripture says, kind of reveals where a person's heart really is at. And both sides of this are self-centered in nature. Now let me me talk this out a little bit, but don't miss this. I want to say it this way to start. Both trials and abundance reveal self-centered hearts. Okay? Both trials and abundance reveal reveal self-centered hearts. When Jesus says trials and persecution results in the word of God not taking root, what he's implying here is that when difficult things happen in our lives, we now respond in a way that says, God, I thought this was going to work out different for me. God, This isn't playing out in the way that you promised me. God, why did this happen to me? I thought it would be easier to serve you. This isn't working how I thought. And the common theme through all of that is I, me, 
I, me. This isn't working out the way I expected that it would. And this way of looking at God is from the perspective of I am responding to the word of God because it's what's best for me. And there's really a self-centered, self, okay, self-focused reason that we serve God is what we have here. That this is about my life and making things better for me, and I want to serve God because it helps me, and everything is me, 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 but as soon as the things in my life for me don't work out how I want them, then I say, this does not work. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a little bit complicated. We're going to unpack that a little bit more in a second, okay? Uh, this, but from the perspective of it's what's best for me. And then we move to the other side of this, which Jesus phrases as the deceitfulness of wealth. When I looked up that word deceitfulness and the Greek word for it and, and some of that, uh, it, it was like 50-50 that this word, it was, it was the deceitfulness of wealth, but that word also is like used straight translated as pleasures of wealth. It's interesting, okay? Deceitfulness of it or the pleasures of wealth. But the picture that Jesus is painting here is the draw towards happiness and pleasure in having abundance and how that in a way distracts from a spiritual life that is growing deep roots. Like the seed being planted with all the thorn bushes is the illustration that Jesus is giving. We want the seed to grow in our hearts and we want the seed to grow in the, the field here, okay? But because of all the thorn bushes that are all around it, because of all of, all of this pull and this distraction in our life for wealth and the pursuit of wealth and all of that type of stuff, the, the word of God or the seed really cannot take root, because we are, in a way, and have a conflict of interest here. And like the previous example, we're again faced with a self-centered, self-focused issue. The self-centered pull towards material wealth, leaving us shallow in our root systems and not growing deep because it is competing with God for our hearts. Now, we talked about this uh, a couple months ago in a very heavy way as, as Jesus just made the statement at a different point that the number one uh the number one thing that is competing for your heart when it comes to God is your money. And he makes that statement in another place and he says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And Jesus fleshes this out over and over again in different times in different ways. But we have a selfish, self-centered view of being a follower of Christ. Like I'm in this for me, to get for me, to be personally fulfilled. Like, but understand, it is just a completely backwards idea to the way of Jesus and the way things that he talks, okay? And again and again, we see Jesus say things, because some of you are like, well, what do you mean? I, I, I want to go to heaven, and I want to serve God because it benefits me in different ways, but understand, Jesus says things like this again and again in Luke chapter 9, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily. Take, taking up your cross is this, is this picture of like dying to yourself uh, daily and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? And that word self there is also straight translated like it's the same word as the word soul. 
Like, like you, can, you will forfeit and lose your entire soul, is what it says. But the call of Jesus is for us to come and to die. Not physically necessarily, but that we would die to self. And we see this again and again and again. And I'm just here to tell you that death is a part of growing spiritual roots. And you know what's fascinating is with trees, do you know, do you know like the number one way that, a, that soil gets the proper nutrients and minerals in it? It's through death. That's cool, huh? You're like, what do you mean? Decomposition. When things decompose, it creates the right things in the soil. This is part of even how God created things. The leaves fall off of a tree and they die. And they die and they decompose and the soil actually feeds off of that and the tree roots then is fed off of its own death. That's a weird thing. So some of us, you need to stop. You need to stop cleaning up all your leaves in your lawn because you're just ruining it for your trees. Okay, and yeah. Okay, that takes forever, by the way. Uh, but through death, and 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 when things die, and this is why we put compost on our gardens. It's decomposed stuff in that way. That's that's crazy to think about that way. Death actually brings life in that way. This is the illustration that Jesus uses when he talks about dying to yourself and different things. And he says, like, if you hang on to your life for you, like, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for me, that's when you really find it. And this is so backwards and this is so weird and it's a weird thing to talk about, but it is in dying to yourself and learning to die in that way that our roots begin to go down deeper. And think about it from this perspective. The illustration that we used of us going farther into God with the sponge, understand that that is taking away from yourself. And you are now losing some of yourself from an individualistic perspective, and now that is being replaced with the things of God, and that's how it's supposed to work. But if you hold on to yourself, and the more we hold on to ourself, the shallow we, shallower we are when it comes to the things of God, okay? I pray to God to help me and to do things for me. I go to church to get something and learn something for me, but understand as we become less and less and God becomes more and more, our roots go down deeper and deeper. It has to do with the underlying motive behind why we are here and what we are doing. Write this down if you're taking notes. Our attitude and our approach matter when talking about our relationship with God. Your attitude and your approach to all of this. It matters when it comes to your relationship with God. Why are we doing this? And how important is, is this to our, how, how hungry are we to go deeper in our relationship with God? And are we looking for personal gain or for God to be glorified? Because it's, it's through a life that glorifies God where deeper roots begin to come alive and move and help. And now we live. And by the way, you personally, we don't like to say it this way because some of us are going to take this the wrong way, but you personally benefit when, God, when you begin to live your life for God's glory. As you begin to see him work and move and do incredible things in you and your family as you die. 
That's the illustration again and again. These things matter. These things are a part of the condition of the soil, the condition of our hearts. Jesus speaks about shallow and deep roots, and we look at our hearts in this conversation and about spiritual death. Like, and before we move on, and we're, this is where we're going to, in a moment, we're going to like cut this off and go a different direction for the last 10 minutes or 5 minutes or 20 minutes or we'll see, okay? Okay, but before we move on, it would do us good to take a moment and just reflect and just ask ourselves, is my heart in the right place with this stuff? Like, and I just pray, I, I pray, oh God, oh God, would you work on my heart? Would you work deep inside of me and who I am? Show me the stuff in me that's not okay. Reveal the selfish, junky motives that I have and the attitudes that are in there, okay? Uh, and help me, oh God. Now, for just a few minutes, we're going to talk about a very specific piece to growing spiritual depth, because we talked about this as, as the start, and, and Jesus' entire parable of the sower is, is, is really about the Word of God getting into the hearts, the Word of God. And so again, uh, just, like, just like we talked about, there are all sorts of things that go into a tree getting strong and tea gro- tree growing deep. But, but today is about nutrients, about Christians getting spiritual food, and spiritual nourishment comes through the Word of God. Spiritual nourishment. It's where it starts and finishes. It's a ma- massively a part of spiritual growth and developing spiritual roots. And if you want to go deeper in the things of God, learn how to take your Bible stuff farther. You and the Word of God, learn how to take that farther. Quickly, four passages of Scripture to help me make this point. I don't even feel like I need to put these in here, but we're talking individually about taking the Bible farther, and I felt weird about cutting the Bible part out right here. So I want to put this up. Go ahead and put that on the screen here for me, just a couple pieces. Uh, Psalm 119, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. The Bible is our guide, showing us the way. Psalms 119.11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The Bible helps us know the difference between right and wrong, shows us how to live. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible teaches us and trains us and rebukes us and equips us in all of that. This is the word of God that we have the Bible. And then the last one, Hebrews 4.12, says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The Bible is working on our hearts uh, and even connecting back to the story, the seed story with Jesus and the Word of God and our hearts. We desperately need the Bible. And if we want to grow, if we want to deepen our spiritual roots, then moving forward in the Bible personally is central to that. And the more, as more and more of the words of God get deeper into our hearts and deeper into our minds, God becomes more of our lives, more a part of our lives, and our roots grow deeper. So we read it, we listen to it, we memorize it, We read books and commentaries to help us understand it. We journal about it. We discuss it with other people. There are 
things we do over and over as followers of Christ that we should be doing and should be part of our life when it comes to getting the Bible into our hearts. And there are all sorts of pieces to this puzzle about how we go about doing this. But it starts with you and it starts with me. It starts with us individually prioritizing getting the Word of God into us. Prioritizing that. Saying, God, this matters and I need to figure out how to do that. And we make a decision that we're going to, in a way, do something different. In fact, let me give you a little formula. I, I was... Um, I was at like a personal trainer uh, a few months ago and I was doing some different things and, and I was saying, I, I really want to do this different. I want to change this in my life. And this personal trainer, physical person, physical like specialist, well, she just said this thing. She's like, she's like well, there's just three parts to that. If you want to change, there's three parts. And this goes to like, if anything you want to change in your life, there's really just three pieces of how this works. Like you decide you want to change you put together a plan, and then you involve other people. And she said, if you do those three, those three things, you will, you'll change. If you, just, if you make the decision you want to change, if you put a plan together of how this is going to happen, and then you involve other people in your lives, then this, this, like, it will produce change in, in your way. You want to lose weight, by the way, you do, you do that. You're like, I need to lose weight. I'm going to lose weight. Put together a plan, and now you're going to involve other people in that as well. Uh, okay, you, wh why involve other people? You, you need accountability in your life. People fail at goals every single week all the time. And it's, it, you can look at the statistics. We don't even need to talk about that. But, but accountability, this is why every fitness center in the world has personal trainers. Accountability, this is why they have challenges with each other. Uh, and you have weight loss competitions and step competitions. And you get the idea. When other people are involved, we are much more likely to continue and to create new routines and new patterns in our lives and to do things even when we feel like we don't want to. When others are involved in that, part of the mistake that we make as Christians is we set out to make changes like I want more of the Bible in my life and we don't involve anybody in it. And so now we're just, we're just like, I woke up today, I don't really feel like it, or I got all sorts of things to do and I don't, okay? And now it's easier for us to say whatever. I'm not gonna do this. Our teenagers at this church have these groups that they meet in and the students, every single day, are supposed to message the leader with these two words. When they read their Bible, when the kid reads their Bible, they're supposed to message their leader every day with these two words. And they just say, they write, word up. Because we're cool like that, okay? And to the leader, that means the kid read their Bible today. And, and it's a way of us keeping these students accountable. Some of you need word up partners, and you need to just message each other in that way. It just means I read my Bible today. We find other people to get involved, and that's with things like reading the Bible as well. Okay, let's quickly just talk about putting together a plan for this. And I'm, really, it's going to only be three or four minutes. Uh, but basically, deciding what you're going to read in the Bible and what you're going to do with it. Because if you're just like, I need to read the Bible, and then you're just like, open to Genesis 1, I'm just telling you, you'll make it about three days. It's just, I would just see it again and again. But, but decide what you're going to read in the Bible and what you're going to do with that in a way. And there's all sorts of things and ways you can do that, all sorts of things that people do. What I've found as the years have gone by in my life, that I'm constantly changing things, by the way. 
And I don't even mean like updating and making them better. I just mean doing it differently. And there are times when I have read the Bible super slow. And and an entire day I'm reading like six lines and I'm highlighting certain words and different, different things, and I'm studying portions about that. Other times I've read the Bible super fast like it was one big story. And I just, I don't write anything, and I don't highlight anything, and I just read it, like, which is a little bit how they would have, would have written the, writ, or read the Bible uh, in the olden times as well, because they didn't have their own individual Bibles. And so it would have been read out loud to them in a more of a story thing, okay? So sometimes I do that. Sometimes I'm journaling and writing. Other times I'm not. Sometimes I'm reading things that other people wrote to help me understand. And, and other times I'm not. And just sort of letting the Bible and the Holy Spirit speak to me. There's not really a right way to do this. Uh, we just prioritize the Word of God in our lives. But quickly, just for those who are maybe starting out, Uh, or maybe those who are looking for something fresh, let me just give you a resource that has been super helpful uh, for some people and for me, and it's something that's called the Bible Recap. All right, go ahead and put that next slide up here for me. Uh, The Bible Recap comes in a couple different formats, and I'll explain it to you really quick. Okay, this is is actually a, a book. There's a book form of it, there's a podcast form of it, and there's a YouTube thing for it. So it's like you can do whatever you want with it. But this book right here uh, is set up to help you read the Bible in one year. And every day it'll say day one. And then it's going to give you exactly what you want, what it wants you to read in the Bible. And then it's going to give you a page just like that where it explains what you just read. And it talks about it, and it's fantastic, okay? Uh, and so this is a book. I'm, I, I wish that I got a cut because I feel like I'm, like, selling this right now. I don't get any cut for this. I should, okay? Go to the next slide here for me. The Bible Recap is also on, in a digital form for free, uh, and it is, I love this. It's video-based. This right here is confusing, but what this is is it's a, a screenshots of what's called the Bible app. And if you, if you want some help with this, we can help you find it. But for, we're going to have to go quick right now. The Bible app is a free app. It has about 100 billion positive reviews. And there's one, like it's the first one on the top, uh, that when you search it, it's free. You do create an account because then it syncs it between your devices if you want to use that. It's on your phone, your iPad, your computer. Okay? And they have these things called plans. And right on the bottom in the middle, okay, uh, you can just click this thing called plans and you can type in the Bible recap. There's a million plans, but we're talking about the Bible recap. And you, once you type in Bible recap and it shows you the top two. The, first, the top one is read the New Testament. Go through the New Testament. The second one is the entire Bible. Okay? And so you click start the plan and now you can look at the third one. When you have the plan, it tells you on each day, January 1, it says there's a devotional, Luke 1 and Luke 2. Uh, And so it wants me to read Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 as the start of the New Testament plan for day number 1. So you can click right on Luke 1, and then you can read the Bible on your phone, or you could use your paper Bible. Okay, But then the devotional, if you click it, you go and it gives you these videos. And because it's the beginning of a book of the Bible, there's, there's actually a video on the book of Luke and a video on the book of John. But then you can see this one right here that says day 274, which is actually because that's... It's just because it's the New Testament and they've already gone through the Old Testament. And, you, and Luke 1 and John 1, and you click on that and you have like a 10-minute 10 10 minute video of this woman who travels to Israel teaching 
for a living, and she sits down, and she just talks about what you read in Luke 1 and and John 1, and I've just found it to be unbelievably helpful. Uh, And so this is a simple thing, a simple way for some of you who want to do that. I want to challenge you, if you are not in any sort of a Bible plan or reading anything, to read, start the New Testament right now and read it, and you'll finish it right at about the time of Easter. You'll read the entire New Testament by Easter. If you're already doing a Bible thing and you already are reading, okay, you don't need to change and do, you do your thing, okay? But I just wanted to provide something and help. All right, music team, will you please come? It's almost lunchtime. That was a long service. That's okay. Stand with me all over this place. But back, back, to, back to our hearts for just a moment. Jesus tells this story where our hearts are hearing the word of God, where the soil is receiving the seed. And he just lays it out and says, man, there are, there are different hearts in different places. And so my prayer prayer that I have for myself and the prayer that I have for you is just simply that we would begin to say, God, I pray that you would prepare my heart to receive your word in a different way, the way that you would have that, that you would help me, that the word of God would begin to be a priority to me and my life. I don't care how long you've been doing this. You can, you can move forward when it comes to your relationship with the Bible. You can memorize scripture. I know, I know of some people that take note cards and they write a scripture for every week. They write that and they keep it in their pocket for the entire week and they learn that and they memorize that scripture. And now they have it in their mind. It's beautiful. It's challenging to me. I love that. I would love to to have the Bible memorized in different ways. You can move forward in this. You can can do more. and, and, And I'm not even talking about taking more time, but just what does it look like for us to prioritize the Word of God in our lives and in our hearts and watch how that transforms us and watches our roots go deeper as the word of God begins to infiltrate and change and challenge us. So God, we come to you today asking for your help. Soften our hearts, challenge our hearts, move us, change us, God. God, my desire is to know you more. My desire is to go deeper that my roots would go down, God, that you would have more and more of my life and more of more, more and more of my heart than you ever have before, God. I need you, God. I need you desperately in my life again and again, and it's in your name we pray. With every heart, with every head bowed, and just our hearts kind of in this moment of reflection, your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you would just simply say, I've never really responded to the message of Jesus, the message that he died for you, the message that you can be forgiven. Maybe you walk through these doors and you know that your life is not in the right spot. Maybe you know that you are not right with God. 
and you have a moment right now to just say yes to him in a new way. In fact, with, with every eye closed, if you're here in this place and you just, you know you need to respond to Jesus today, that you need to get right with him, if that's you, just quickly show me your hand. I just want to pray for you. Anyone at all that would say, that's me. If you're watching behind a screen right now, you can respond with us. It's a heart thing between you and God. Let's just pray together. Everyone pray this with me. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Change my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And move in my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, come on. Can we put our hands together? Let's just celebrate this day. What God is doing, what God has done.